You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 292, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy listeners like you. We want pudding. Blue moon. Blue moon. Blue moon. Keep shining bright. Blue moon. Keep on shining bright. She's going to bring me back on my baby tonight. Blue moon. Keep shining bright. I say blue moon. I've got to keep Keep on shining Shine on the one that's gone and left me blue I say blue moon of Kentucky to keep on shining Shine on the one that's gone and left me blue Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 292. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello, everyone. And Ron Richards. You're back, Connor. You're back. I'm back. I'm on work release. Uh, thank God. Said if I could do podcasts, it'd be all right. <laughs> Whew. How's the bracelet? The ankle bracelet. The ankle bracelets. The chafes. The thing is, though, in, in the joint, you get no respect for being a podcaster. <laughs> I'm not surprised. None. <laughs> I haven't had food in Did I tell you my feelings on the pre-order system? <laughs> Too bad it wasn't your birthday. Oh, okay. All right. Enough of that. At FMW.com, we like comics, we read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks the best one. They write about it on the website. We talk about it on the podcast along with other books of the week, other topics of interest, voicemails, emails, all kinds of fun things happen. Or maybe not, depending on your level of interest in the show. Before we get to the show, though, there's a quick reminder and a warning. It's a review show. We'll be talking about spoilers. Things happened this week that were big, so we'll be talking about them. So if you didn't read your books, pause the show and come back so you're not ruined for life. And stay tuned to the end. We're going to talk about San Diego Comic-Con and all the things we're going to do, contests, hanging out, panels, all kinds of fun stuff. So if you're going to San Diego Comic-Con you want to know what we'll be doing, make sure you listen all the way through because we'll be talking about it at the end. Uh, but until then, Ron, yes. you had to pick. Yes, and I got to tell you guys, this was a week of inches for the pick of the week. There's a lot of good books. There was a lot a of lot. good, a yeah. lot of I good books. I changed my pick like three times. So yeah, there was what? a lot of good books. There was a lot of. I had some early candidates. I had some surprise candidates. I had one that was picked that I at the last minute I changed because I realized something and, and all sorts of things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, and, and uh, I'm, I think I'm the lone soldier out here this week on this, but uh, my pick of the week was uh, Moon Knight number 3 by Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev, and, but, which, by the way, I feel bad because I left out my review, The Wonderful Colors by Matt Wilson, yep. which I kind of I want to go back and make an addendum to the review just because I feel bad that I forgot that. Um, I feel like you just did. Well, you're right. No, but I mean, but if, if somebody doesn't listen to this, how would they know? So, well, then they're they're missing out. That's true. That's for sure. But anyway, so yeah. So the reason why I ended up picking up Moon Knight number three, Connor, you picked Moon Knight number one previously. Yeah, um, that's two out of three issues have been picked the week now. Yeah, exactly. It's only three issues of it. Um, it's a really good book. It's a really I, good I, book. I did not pick issue number two. That would have been really cool yeah. if we had done that. Yeah, but. one, two, three. But the thing is, is that this book, this issue, well, because the whole premise of the book is. Moon Knight is now relocated to Los Angeles, and Bendis has turned up the whole multiple personalities of Moon Knight a notch to the point where, as we as we talked and laughed in issue one and issue two, he had Wolverine, Captain America, and Spider-Man in his head and had all these conversations, and then to the point where last issue, where he dressed up and pretended to be Spider-Man and then had claws and pretended to be Wolverine and were just kind of wacky in that regard. This issue continues the Mark Spector slash Moon Knight is crazy, but I felt in a different way. This was not a big action-packed issue. In fact, there was only one real physical, quote-unquote, fight scene that wasn't really a fight scene. This was a very Bendis, typical Sorkin wannabe talky issue. The issue picks up after the events of last issue uh, where Mark Spector is calling Echo after supposedly their night together after he blew her cover and I guess they slept together and he's trying to talk her into go going out to get some hot dogs. And then it shows him kind of going to work 
and dealing with his assistant. And then finally, we get introduced to his we- the quote unquote weapons expert on the TV show that he's producing, which in reality and through the flashback we find out is an ex Shield operative, and the dude knows more than you know knows more stuff than just weapons for a TV show. He's obviously you know Moon Knight's kind of uh, his Lucius Fox or his microchip kind of guy, right? Yep. So that's the gist of the issue. But what I loved about it, what cracked me up about the issue was that Mark Spector's crazy, and this was an example of that crazy in the context of normal living. Yeah, like when it, with his staffers on the TV show. Yeah, like he like he doesn't come off as crazy, like you know, like making noises and, and jumping up and down. He just comes off as like eccentric, or eccentric if I can pronounce it correctly. Eccentric, yeah. eccentric, and that's what I and I, I I it got to a point in the book where I'm like, this is genius because he's nuts and everybody thinks he's not. And but we know as the reader know that he's nuts, and so it becomes this weird. We know more than the people he's talking to, and so we can enjoy the scenes in a different perspective, kind of thing. And I just love the hell out of it. And continuing the the craziness in the flashback, we see when uh, Mark Spector meets the the uh, the weapons expert guy. I don't even remember his name. What was his name? I forget. But the dude, the ex Shield agent, and he. A uh, Buck Lime is his name, which is a great name, by the way, Buck. <laughs> so um, he uh, he interviews Buck and and reveals that he knows that he's a Shield agent and that he's looking for somebody who knows you know real weapons and all that sort of stuff. And he tells him why. He tells him that he's Moon Knight. And the guy's like, okay, cool. So you're in with the Avengers. All right, I'll take this gig. And then that night, <laughs> Mark Spector dresses up like Bullseye and and kidnaps the dude and then threatens to cut his tongue out if he doesn't speak and reveal Mark Spector's dual identity. And it was a very tense moment. You're like, oh god. It's bullseye, and then the buck guy is like, "Wait a minute, Mark, is that you?" And I laughed. It was just like, yeah. He's like, "What? I'm just trying to see if you're loyal." And I just love. Him. He's like, "Sorry, I just had to test you. It's all right." And like, Inspector's like totally not like plussed by it or anything yeah. like that. Like it was just like, so. I don't know. I just I just found myself like I said in a, in a week of inches within the pick of the week. I just found myself really enjoying the again the Sorkin esque dialogue of this issue of the dialogue almost moving at a rhythm really fast-paced, really the fun kind of Bendis dialogue to read, as well as I thought this was the best art-wise issue of Maliv so far, the three issues, as he, you know, dances between that photo tracing, you know, what, what we've seen more recently from him and kind of hearkening back to his Daredevil days. And again, the colors of Matt Wilson really, you know, make uh, Maliv's art sing, uh, a lot of the textures and the subtleties. And I found myself really liking, like, the the, the use of the long double page horizontal panel at the very top of the page like that mm-hmm. that was that was a visual cue that was that was repeatedly used throughout the issue and i don't think it was anything where like that was a it was meant to be or anything like that i just think that the the pages and worked out that way and i just liked it it just it just worked for me on on numerous levels of a comic book well you said when the the dialogue when venice is on he's got that rhythm to his dialogue that's really enjoyable i thought this was an issue that was most like his old daredevil work yes not, not just venice but also believe yeah this is the kind of stuff that i want when i hear they're doing a book together it didn't happen in halo it didn't happen for me in scarlet yep this is like return to form this is the this is the team that got me really excited you know for so many years doing daredevil and yep this was great. I give this a five stars. It was wonderful. Oh, it was a totally five star book, and it, and, it was fun. It was funny. It, 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 a lot of great character stuff, and it was it was in a different. You said different than every every issue has been different. Yep, totally. So this has been an interesting, not just in, wait, not just the dialogue, but the way that Bennis is sort of is couching each issue in different kind of comedy or or action or and and, or, and, that, and that's the thing is that I don't think Bennis was trying to do shtick or trying to do comedy with this it's just like even it, it opens up and you know and and echo is getting uh, she seems to be in a perpetual state of undress 
Um, but I think that's more a Malieve thing than anything. Mark Spector calls her, and, and he's got like he's got the the cap on, like the cabbie cap on, sunglasses, and the Bluetooth, and it pulls out, and he's in like a super nice '57 Corvette. <gasps> You know, like, and it's just like, and he's driving, and it's so L.A., like, and he's trying to talk her into going to these hot dogs, and I just kind of, I chuckled at that, and then the whole scene with his assistant where they're casting the, because the, the TV show is based on Moon Knight, and they're casting his, uh, his, his driver, and the, she's saying how they're trying to find a French guy, and, he's, and Spectre's like, he doesn't have to be French, which is just like, if you're an old Moon Knight fan, that makes you laugh, you know, like, in that whole, <laughs> and it just all flowed really, really nicely, and then, you know, and then it, it comes back to the, the storyline at hand you know where buck is looking at the ultron head and they're trying to figure out if it's actually ultron or not and what that means and then we get a little bit I, we get a little bit with that flashback and it just it just worked on every level of, of an issue that i would expect for like a like you said like it like a really good issue of daredevil like that's what it really reminded me of um yep. and it ended with a pretty dramatic you know like now we see like a a group of villains called the night shift are ready to go at moon Knight. so it looks like next issue will be a little more action-packed i mean it was a nice little cliffhanger like i was like oh i can't wait for the next issue the last time we had a Moon Knight book, it, it was like one issue, two issues, and then it, you know, it plummeted. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is holding really strong. In fact, maybe getting better. Yeah, really, really strong. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. So, like I said, I think I'm the only person this week who would have made it their pick of the week. But you know, that's why I'm a I'm a unique flower. You're, you're a rebel. <laughs> yeah. You're a wild card. <laughs> you're a Moon Knight. Special. But that, but that said, so when I read Flashpoint number three, I nearly made it pick of the week. It, Which it, it would have close. been more shocking than Moon Knight. Yes. Well, I know. Hold on. I, I think I got another one in my car. In, in, in my, in my this was pocket. the best issue. This was the best issue yet. And th- this was the one where an observation was made to me about it. And then I looked into it closely that made me not make a pick of the week. But I thought this was like this made up for the first two issues being slow. Like finally some action. Finally some stuff happening. Some cool moments. You know, and, and also just uh, 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 some clarity, I guess. Like it was a lot of standing around trying to figure out what was going on, and now yeah. it's like we're moving, we're doing things, yeah. and, and it makes sense. Like the world makes sense. Yeah, it's funny. Like like Wally blowing or Barry blowing up at the end of the last one was sort of like a red herring, but yeah. it it made for a really nice moment. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and I thought it was a nice touch to see Barry trying to fight time, basically, and that his memories were. He was adapting to the Flashpoint universe, and he was trying yeah. to race against that happening. I the picture was- of his brother and sister were disappearing. Yeah. This book made me laugh. For the- I- several books made me laugh out loud. This was the first one that made yeah. me laugh out loud this week, and it was about uh, Batman's single computer. Yeah, that was that was a very funny scene about. Uh, apparently, the Flashpoint universe is not as advanced as our, our universe. It's, it's like ninety three there. Yeah. It's got a big CRT monitor, yeah. like seventeen inches was the biggest they had. <laughs> still, I still booting. <laughs> and I thought that you know the the splash page when Barry in the costume was cool, and you know, and 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 then the whole Superman reveal. I thought that was actually a clever. This is a take on Superman we've never seen. This is my favorite thing about the issue was that it was the last issue we found out that no, it was the Project Project Superman. Superman. Project Superman. That the the ship crashed in Metropolis, and then uh, here we find the government scooped it up, and they've had Superman hidden underground this whole time, but he's been not exposed to any sunlight. So his as if so if you know anything about Superman, you know that his body gets the power from the sun, stores the sun. He's strong because the body stores all the sun energy. So he's had no contact with the sun. He's under red. Red, red lamps and he's he's pale he's skinny he's got no powers and i thought it was a very interesting way to 
to do a skews perspective on Superman. It was very, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was really good. It was really smart. And you get, you know, Batman going, this is the most powerful guy in the, in, in the on the planet. Like, it, and we get a little glimpse of it when his, you know, his heat vision kicks in and then he just flies off. You know, like, I'm out of here. Yeah, it doesn't really, go exactly I, the way they, they think it would. I love what a wild card he is. Yeah. Because, you know, like, Wall, see, can I keep saying Wally? Great, you, be, you better get you better. You yeah, better no, stop I know. Barry, Barry is just like he's like he's Superman. He's he's a good man. It's fine, but like we really don't know that, and I love the mystery of it. And then he takes off, and yeah. you're like, well, you know, and you you just think all of a sudden, well, God, if he goes rogue, then it's it's irredeemable, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like totally. it, it could go any way, which is really cool. So the thing that made me not make a pick of the week, and the thing that kind of ruined it for me, was that the realization that. Aside from those moments and it coming together and there being some action stuff like that happening, there are a couple of cracks in terms of moving things forward. Like Batman is just Batman. This you know supposedly very smart, very you know fit. You know like the is a Wayne Thomas Wayne and he's he's Bruce Wayne's father and the progenitor and all that kind of stuff. He's just going along with stuff because he's being told to. Like Barry's like, no, we have to do this. He's like, oh okay. He's desperate and, to find his son again. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. But then, but then he's they then, then they meet up. With, then they meet up with Cyborg, and and they're like, "No, we need to do this." And he's like, oh, "Okay." And like, every, Cyborg was everyone's go, every, everyone's going. Uh, no, I get. I understand that. But everyone's going along with things a bit too easily because it seems as if that's what Jeff Johns needs them to do to move the story along. Because well, he created desperate needs, and when you have a desperate need, you go along to get that to need fulfilled. That's which, and that's which, why I, which doing I get it. and I understand, but but for me at least, when, as soon as I realized that, it, it 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 lost a little bit of its luster because I don't think it's done as elegantly as it could be. I think it's a little bit of accept accepting how things are in this sort of story. I mean, he's got yeah. this many pages to get everybody around. And sure. I, yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying, but it doesn't bother me. So, I, I guess, mean, it just it, it just knocked a little shine off the gem. That's all. For me, yeah. for me personally, at least, because really fun issue. I mean, like I, I was, I was like, eh, it's out, you know. But like, I was, I was totally in at, at the end of this one. Yeah. I was like, well, now I, now I'm invested. I want to know what happens. Yeah. And so they, they, they definitely won me over to their side. This, I mean, about, this, this was the strongest of the three. I mean, like this was yeah. the more oh, far. Yeah, yeah. So for about five minutes, it was my pick, and then yeah. I yeah. ended up moving to something else. Yeah. So. I'm gonna oh. guess uh, that the, the, the other one of the other ones, at least that was up there, was uh, the, the Night of Vengeance book. Well, that point, Batman: Night of Vengeance was definitely up there for me. That was that was nearly pick of the week for me as well. Um, wow! Which which I thought which would have been which would have been earth shaking, right? If if I picked a <laughs> Batman book, and and here's and here's what I thought was, was was really good about it was that who cares if this is Flashpoint or not? Yeah, this is the, like this was Azarello and Riso is telling a great Batman story. Well, the difference is though is that the surprises in this were uh, impingent on it not being the regular DC universe. So you just didn't sure. know what was coming and what to expect. And the, and the twist at the end, yep. which actually threw me so for a loop that I was like, wait, what's happening? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh, I, I, I went, oh, damn. Like, yeah. as soon as I, I was yeah. like, oh. When I God. realized it, I was like, holy, that is awesome. <laughs> like, even, even before that, uh, I mean, you know, they'd had me. I love... I love the new dynamic that just you take Jim and you you make him a certain way and he's he's Thomas's friend, and then the way that oh, the kid was shot, yeah. it was just like oh, that's it, one I, of those really twisted it, things. Yeah, I mean ba- basically, I mean just to, to recap the issue. So the the Joker has the has Harvey Dent's kids kidnapped, and everybody's looking for him. And uh, what's his name? Gordon is feeling inadequate, I guess, or like he's not doing enough to in the eyes of Batman. 
And so they get Who's a, his best friend, and exa- that's, that's the key to it. Exactly. So uh, Oracle gets a lead, which I thought that was a little... I was like, oh, really? We don't, I don't think we needed that, but that was fine. But the Oracle isn't Barbara Gordon in this world. It's actually Selena Kyle. Because Gordon never had kids or a family. In exactly, yeah. yeah. So Selena Kyle is in the wheelchair, and she's the Oracle, and she gets a lead, and Gordon doesn't tell Batman and goes after himself, and then what you would... Like, fucked up Joker stuff happens. <laughs> where, you know, like, right? I mean, that's what, yeah. that's what it boils down to. It's fucked <laughs> Yeah, but then, but then, like, and and listen, if there hadn't been that last page thing, it still would. I was still like, that was great. Yeah, but he kicked it up to nine other fucked up levels. Well, because there were there was there was there were three moments that made me gasp. So there's so you know Gordon gets in the house and and the so it's in the old Wayne Manor and the kids are the kids are there and they're they got tape on their mouths and you see Gordon sneaking in. It's typical cop stuff and uh, <laughs> this is just awful. And you see the you see the Joker kind of holding two guns at one of the little kids and Gordon runs in and shoots and then it's revealed that it was the little girl tied to a chair with sticks tied to her hands holding guns out with a Joker wig and a uh, smiley face taped over her mouth and Gordon just shot the kid. And I was like, oh, that's awful. And so then Gordon rushes over, realizes it, and he's going, please don't die, please don't die. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere you see this knife and Gordon gets fucking opened at the throat. And I was like, "Oh, damn!" <laughs> but that's that, you, that's not it, even don't, it. But don't, but I, you know, don't even give it away because if you read it, you know, and if not, go back and read it. All right. Yeah, I mean, fair honestly, enough. go get this book. Yeah. Uh, if you've been hankering for a new Batman story and something that's going to throw you way the fuck off, uh, this is where you want to be. Yeah. I, I think, think this is the best sort of tie-in series of any of the. Th- in Marvel, DC, anything yes. going on right now? Of because all the because giants, I almost, I almost feel fantastic. like I, I almost feel like this is happening irregardless of what's going on with Fla- Flashpoint. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, 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 what's going on with Barry and all, and Cyborg? This is just the Batman story in this world, and it's awesome. This just was just an Elseworld story that you'd exactly. be like, dude, did you read Night of Vengeance? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And when well, the trade comes out, you can still do that yeah. unless somehow it ends up tying into the whole story, which I'd be surprised right. if it does. You well, can it's just only say, three issues, yeah. But yeah, yeah, this little collection, which I assume it will yeah. be, it will be a fantastic sort of Elseworlds tale to give to people. Yeah, and and we're 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 talking about it. We're not. I don't think giving enough credit to Eduardo Riso, who if you're Gorgeous. not if you're not aware of how great Riso is through 100 Bullets and through all the other stuff he's done. It, he, just ki- he just killed it in this. It's great. I'm thinking that n- at no point was Fear Itself number four up for pick of the week. No, at no point. Because this is fucking garbage. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm so – I almost didn't buy it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give another chance because I love Stuart Eminem, which, by the way, he killed. I yeah. mean, like the reason he's that the saving I'm, grace. Uh, he's the saving grace. I would not buy this if it wasn't for him because it is beautiful. Yep. It's just too bad that it doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't care what's going on, and they don't stay on anything long enough to, for me to give a shit. <laughs> And not it's only this that, and random not only that, fucking but, but, music video of scenes. Yeah. And not only yeah. that, but Fraction just cannot stop going to the well. Can't stop trying to be so fucking cool all the time. Well, that's not even that, and it's not. It's not even yeah. that. It's it's it's. And mainly, well, I'm objecting to what happened at the very end, which was the you know like every time with Tony in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Every time with him, whether it was the point one issue with the AA meeting or without, like, like, and I get that that's a huge part of Iron Man, but it's like, can we just get one thing, like one thing where that, that, that isn't an aspect, you know? Mm-hmm. And has Stuart Eminem ever had a, a bottle of wine, by the way? What cork looks like that? <laughs> these days? Like, that, that was my only thing about Eminem. I was like, really? That's what a cork looks like? like the, the little thing that bugged me, which, you know what, you know, when you lose the story and you're no longer giving it the benefit of the doubt, the little things start to bug you, which you yeah. normally give a pass to. For this one, it was when Steve dons the costume again, except for the mask. 
Yeah. And then jumps in the battle not wearing the mask, wearing a weird army helmet. Yep. I was like, why is he wearing a helmet? Yep. Why isn't he wearing the mask? But Because he doesn't wear the mask in the movie. You're, you're right, Josh. I think the biggest problem with this book is we're all over the place and we're never anywhere for long enough to care about what's going on with anyone. Yep. yep. Or it's... understand the stake. I mean, now we have a little bit of, we have a better idea now what's going on. The whole thing is that Odin's older brother is, is this guy, the snake, and he's back to take back the throne. And Odin is sacrificing Earth to but defeat he, him. They but de-aged him. I don't him? care about any of it. They de-aged him and it wasn't clear. And I was like, No, it wasn't clear. I didn't it wasn't know. clear at all. Yeah. I had well. to go back. It's just I mean, it was one of the, it was one of those it was one of those like if there's enough fear in the world, then I'll have the power I need. And what trope that's such a trope. But like they didn't what, what show else it. but what else has done that where it's like it's like if you know, it's like it's the fucking it's Ghostbusters too. <laughs> He's Vigo the carpet. I don't mind reusing story ideas because there's not there's not that many story ideas and there's a lot right. of books, but if, if they can't execute to a point where you where you're invested in the storyline, then 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 that's right. the problem. That's the well, biggest that, problem. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that like okay? So if the idea is that they're building fear in the world, and the fear is fueling um, the serpent or whatever the dude's name is, and that's going to get him to be powered. That's never been explained. And I had to deduce that based off this whole scene with the kid on the boat. Like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that was the last bit of fear that he needed in order to you know get de-aged and be all powerful and rise this this fucking palace out of nowhere. But it's not being explained anywhere, and so it's it, it's awful. Yeah, I, and I don't want to say it because I don't think the idea is bad. All like the sort of blocks that are in place are are fine. Yep, but it just it just keeps moving, just left and right, and I'm like here and I'm there, and I'm like I don't know what's happening, and I just can't I can't get into it. Which and the sad part is it looks so good. It looks great. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah. It looks so good. Um, that that said, I will I will give one little positive thing, which is um. Uh, when Thor shows up on the helicarrier or whatever, when they're when they're with Bucky's dead body, and mm. um, and, th- <laughs> and Thor, Thor tells Iron Man that he smells of gar- garbage and rotten fish, and Iron Man admits that he threw up inside the suit. That made me laugh. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was like there were nice, there were little. It just it doesn't hang together because it yeah. it doesn't. I does it's not focused or something like that. It's just trying to get too much done. Yep. And I'm not getting any of the like. Here's an emotional beat. No, we're moving over here. And then we're, oh, moving over here. And it, I just can't. You can't have a series of emotional beats if you don't have the stuff that leads up to them, and then it makes you feel those beats. If it's just a bunch of yep. things that are happening every other page, then you don't really. Ca- I don't really care. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm I I'm in for care. the art, and I'm in for there's a couple of you know a couple of good scenes. Yeah, you know, I like Cap- Rogers. So he's got Cap- a gun Rumble. now. He's cool with a gun now. He's always been cool with a gun. No, yeah. but he's really he's got a big ass. Yeah, like, that's a big ass assault. Modern. I mean, like that. Stuff. That was. I mean, that was a cool. I mean, you know, the the cap sitting in, in the shadow and then standing up and then finally, you know, saying, "Okay, let's go." You know, and then that one page of him barking orders and telling everyone what to do. But then, so what? So all he's going to do is just jump and lead the Avengers in this fight that seems that they can't win. You know, like that's and, that's an issue though. Yeah, and you know, then, like like the Captain America story is an issue. There's too much stuff in this issue. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the problem. I thought I, I could have swore when this started. They said it was going to be a really focused event. It's not you know, really so tightly focused on Cap and Thor because they're in the movies and and all this all this hammer stuff is is happening off screen. Yep. So it's all this sort of time books. of yeah of, of handing out the hammers. None of that's in this. Yeah. Uh, apparently, next issue they will fight. I mean, but brawl. Yeah, Thor, Thor, Hulk, and thing. You know what's yeah. gonna? It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's gonna be go. Yeah, and then I don't, and then the whole Tony and Odin thing. I just don't, you know, like it's uh, just try, like w- like so to get Odin's attention, he has to drink. Like it doesn't make. It, the- I don't mind that because it's an interesting idea, 
in yeah. that like he's got to sacrifice something and the guy's a god. I, well, that worked for me. That was fine. Yeah, I don't know. But but he's not going to be able to deal with him when he gets there. Right. Yeah. Because he's going to be loaded. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has a high tolerance. Hold on. Hold on. You came. I love that helm, by the way. That is great. That is <laughs> Who is that? Is that Sif? Is that Sif? Hello, Sif. Do you know what She's kind of car I have? Does she it's know electric. that I've got 14 houses? <laughs> electric. Um, now, it's funny that that wasn't even the biggest disappointment of the week for me. And it really pained me to realize this, admit it, to say it out loud. But I was really looking forward to Vengeance number one. And I really didn't like it. Right there with you. I, did not, I wouldn't say that I really didn't like it, but I was disappointed. Joe Casey, who I love as the writer. Nick Dragota, who I think is one of the rising stars, one of the best new artists that come along in a while. I thought this was not Dragota's best work. Yep. I didn't think it was even close to being Dragota's best work. I thought this was Casey being all over the map. I w- I was, I, the thing was, I, all I knew about Vengeance was what the, their little teaser campaign three months ago and, and that sort of thing. And I, and I was hoping that this was... Like as soon as I opened it up and realized that it was happening now in the Marvel universe, like currently, yeah. I was super disappointed. I was like, oh, like when I saw when I saw the the first page with the three months ago and it showed Steve and Sharon in the in the riot and fear Fear's Fear's number one. one. Yeah. I was like, oh crap! I was hoping for like an Earth's Mightiest Heroes kind of like a you know like going back to Acts of Vengeance or whatever it might be. But I was like, oh, and like and I know Casey loves his creation with Stacey X, but it's not a good character. And the only really the only the only good thing of that the art was that. Dragota drove a great, drew a great Hitler. Yeah. That was Hitler, really... has, Hitler has a really long office. Yeah, he does. <laughs> there was a lot of hallways in yeah. this that were really long. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little curious. You know, like it's, I, I think that this, the, this dude that you know, the, um, this black and white dude that he introduced, as well as the guy that Magneto fought, are interesting. And I thought the art was wasn't what I expected from Dragota, but I didn't think it was awful. Like he was going for a more uh, almost like Mike Already kind of, or like a cartoony kind of thing than what we've been used to. So, yeah, I don't know, but I was super disappointed josh did you pick it up or yeah i I did and uh you know i i I wasn't nearly as against it as that i don't think i've actually seen dragota enough i've only seen bits of him and so i i I, the art i really liked i thought he did a really nice job with sort of the shapes and like making everybody kind of cool or sexy or whatever i the tattoos on that dude were a little outdated but i liked the scene with magneto in the beginning i like stacy x i I, for some reason i think it's interesting because instead of make it's making a mutant who's a hero you're taking a mutant who's got a whole other sort of thing going on and and exploring like there must be some sexual side to to these people and that's something nobody ever does when they got into the is it nighthawk yeah i feel like that tied into some story that they did earlier yes it does and i didn't finish that so yep I don't really know that character, so I don't really have much tied into it. Yeah, I don't know. It was. It was. It was. I'm gonna stick with it because I trust Joe Casey and what in, in his stuff. But yeah, but I was. I was. I was. I was like, ooh, this is. I, that was like one of the first books I read because I thought it'd be I thought a good it was pick like of the a week. dark horse candidate for pick yeah. of the week, yeah, like you know yeah. something you wouldn't expect. But Casey and Dragota are a great team, and it's and it's old Magneto on the cover. I thought for That's, sure that cover is gorgeous. Yeah, the cover is fantastic. Yeah, but uh, disappointed. Yeah, I agree with you. Disappointed. I, I just really wanted to like it so much, which is yeah. I think why I was disappointed. Yeah. On the, on the on the other hand, there's something else that came out that I really wanted to like, and and if if, if this wasn't your pick of the week, Connor, then I I, just, I don't know what to say. It was. It ended nice. up, at the end of the day, it was my pick. Jonah Hex number sixty nine. This could have been the last issue of the series, by the way. It would yes. have been fun. I mean, like I was like, really? I don't think you can go on after this. Uh, Jeff Lemire on art, and it started in one way. It started it was going to be just another old 
you know, Jonah Hex tale, which would have been fine. And then it tied it right back into Jonah Hex's like it, it pulls the rug out from under you and that part's over. And then there's a whole other thing happening where Jonah Hex finds his father. And it's well, the, the thing cult- is, it starts off with an old man who's prospecting and, you, and these ruffians in town want to rob him of his gold because he's apparently found some gold, found a lot of gold. So you think, and, and then Jonah Hex overhears this, and he's he, he's gonna, he looks angry. So you think it's Jonah Hex saving this old man from these rustlers, and you find out that the old man is actually Jonah's no good father. Uh, which, but but the uh, but the rustlers are just are dispatched in like a page. Like you spend yeah. a third of the issue following, they're gonna go, and then you just come. They've all been shot. Oh. Not even by Jonah Hex. No, he didn't even do it. It was just because Jonah Hex's father was. I don't even know what his name is because I don't I know if they said Wilson. it. All right, that's fine. I believe it is. Uh, it's just this. Old I mean Hex. then. Then the whole two thirds end of the issue is just they're just sitting there looking at each other as 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 the father's dying, and he's Jonah's watching shot. it he's happen. Got shot and then the shootout with the wrestlers and yeah. So Jonah Hex is pissed. He, he said he's been waiting his whole life to watch his father die, and so his father is a very. It's like a long conversation between father and son who hate each other. Um, mm-hmm. but the father still wants some closure. Jonah Hex doesn't seem to care. And, the father uh, just wants the liquor. Yeah, Maybe a little close. Think, is it is think, it kind of like the scene in Popeye the movie when Popeye and his father are together? Or? <laughs> I'm really surprised you didn't get this wrong because you love Jeff Lemire and you picked up the Darwin Cook Jonah Hex issue. I wanted it; it sold out before I could oh. get it. So, well, I, good. I'm, I have a friend who I have a friend whose issue I'm going to b- borrow and read, but I didn't get it before the I had the right to pick. So I wanted it, but yeah, I read I read Sweet Tooth just before this, and it was very good. And I was like, all right, nice work. And then I read this, and I was like, wow, yeah. that was. I mean, this, this might have been the best Jonah Hex issue I've ever read. Yeah. And it does play into the fact that I've read the 68 issues that came before. And, and what I'm realizing is over that five plus, almost six years, there really is an ongoing story, even though it doesn't really quite seem like it. Well, it's, it's uh, a life of a man. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's playing out. And, and even going back and looking at the cover, you, like it, it's, it's part of the story. It doesn't yeah. seem like it at first. It just seems like an image. But... Wow, what a piece of wonderful that that was. Can you imagine the series if Jeff Lemire had been the artist and through the entire run? <laughs> do, you think I, it I, do you think it would have lasted? No, I wouldn't have given it. I wouldn't give up Jordy Bernay for nothing. Any more or less than it has now? I mean, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It couldn't sell less. Yeah, true. No. Yeah, just, just wonderful. I and mean, this is another one of those. You, you could go buy it for its own. It really is just a nice piece of sort of father-son drama on extremely heightened level. And if you like Jeff Lemire, it's good. Or if you just like this, but uh, it was it was it was wonderful. And it also, uh, just a billion great lines even before that happened. You know, because like, like the one guy didn't like it. I was like, "Shut up! This is man's country." And I was like, "You're damn right it is. You're gonna die." It was very hot. It was. We would not make it in man's country. No, no. you would not. <laughs> the guy who said it was man's country didn't make it. So <laughs> there you go. What chance do I have? So. <laughs> yeah. I fanboy is part of the Graphically family. Graphically is a digital comical company where you can read comics online or on your mobile device. Anywhere you got the internet, you can get Graphically and comics. Graphically's got over 3,000 comic books, including books from Marvel, from Archaea, from Top Cow, from Boom, from IDW, from Dynamite, from Archie, all kinds of companies. There's so many books in there. You can find something. If there's a genre you like, you good chance you'll find it on Graphically. Uh, you can get it on the web, on your Android device, on your iPhone, on your iPad, uh, all kinds of places that are on your Nook. Yep. Check it out at Graphically.com and follow Graphically at Twitter.com slash Graphically. So going back to the Flashpoint universe, a good question related to Abin Sur, the Green Lantern Flashpoint book. How many artists does it take to ruin a book? Well, that's, that's <laughs> the art is one thing. What I found interesting about this book and funny and it made me laugh was that they're playing with expectations. So in this issue, Abinster has come to Earth. He crashes. Hal Jordan finds him. And you're like, oh, oh okay, now they're going to do it. 
And then Cyborg shows up and says, no, we'll take him. We'll go save him. We'll take him to the hospital. And they take him to the hospital and save Abin Sur from his injuries. Yep. So they don't, they, they throw you a curveball. And then the president introduces Abin Sur in a press conference as the first alien they've ever encountered on Earth. He's like, oh, we got aliens here. Yep. We're he's excited. Gonna the, he's going to help us in the fight. And then it's like, it's, it's like the lowest key. <laughs> there are aliens out there press conference I've ever seen. <laughs> And then, in other news, funding for the <laughs> Sinestro shows up and chops off his hand. So, yep. <laughs> I, th- I thought the story was lots of fun. I like the way that it, it plays with my expectations. The art was really rough. Yeah, they, I mean, the three artists, wi- w- w- widely varying different art like styles. It just, yeah, that, that really took ch- took away from it for me. But I'm, you know, I'm curious to see how they're weaving in the Green Lantern world into the Flashpoint world. So, yeah, on that point, it was fun. Yeah. So, um, Uncanny X Men number five forty. I got hornswoggled, Ron. Why? Because you got Greg Land. Yes. Yeah, I know. It was it was some pain. It was painful, Greg Land. That was the thing too. It's, it's, you know what? I, I've been loving this story so much yeah. that I didn't even look. Yep. And I picked it up and I opened it up and I went, "What? Wait a minute." Yeah. What? what and what? then I saw Cyclops, who um, was actually oh. Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. <sighs> and well, that's um, not so bad. But it doesn't look anything like the Cyclops we've had in every nope. other comic this year. He's got long hair like Riggins. He's got he's got a stubble. I was like, oh, it's land. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's it's I mean it's 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 abhorrent actually. I mean like it's the kind of thing where it's it's fucking I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. I've never been so conflicted on the book because the story the story is, is great. fantastic. Yes, exactly. It's exactly. the art that I mean Namor showing up and being like, come on, one more time. Yeah. With with Emma, like he point, he, he gestures to the bed. Yeah, One, two, <laughs> shall we? Um, come on, let's do it. We're gonna have to go to war. But uh, she got rigged. But, but why but, would he do that? Yeah. But but the great thing about that scene wasn't just the him trying to sleep with her. It was the end of the scene where he says, yep. "You know, he doesn't respect you." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "He married the redhead, didn't he?" And yep. he flew off. Yep. Which is great. Which was a great sort of character twist and line i was like oh shit you know he's kind of right yeah <laughs> but god the art is awful yeah and this also uh, and and so it, it at the end it ties into fear itself and in that if you're following along at home in terms of a continuity standpoint the juggernaut is the is the wild card running all around the marvel universe right now because he was in he was in fear itself the youth and revolt the mike norton sean mckeever book he was the center point of that at the same time, this week he was in Thunderbolts, which we're not talking about, which we should, because the art Declan Childley kicked ass on that art. It was a great issue. Yeah, that was, whole oh. sequence of uh, that sort of dreamy sequence. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. And then he shows up here in San Francisco. Basically, the Juggernaut ran across the United States in like <laughs> in a matter of three issues. That's <laughs> something. I, I'm, that's something I'm starting to really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, is, there's like every once in a while, there's one character who's just in everything for yeah. a little while. <laughs> and I used to complain about it, but now I think I'm just going to revel in it. Yeah. <laughs> the Juggernaut sort of uh, the era is now. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, while we're on the X Men tip, nothing to do with Fear Itself or anything. Real quickly, uh, um, Adjectiveless X Men number fourteen. This is the then and now story, the first to last story that that's been bouncing between the present and the past, like the the original first class team, Cyclops, Beast, Angel. I'm I'm just really enjoying it. Chris Frios has written a really good uh, really good story. And Paco Medina is doing great on the art, as is Dalbor Talajic, who's doing the flashback sequences. And great cover. It's just, it's just something very yeah, great cover, just very quietly telling a good good X Men story. So I'm enjoying. In that one. Chew 19, we're back to the present, wasn't the last issue, the, the, the future yep. issue? Yep. yep. This, this book. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just, it's so good. Yeah. Every panel that has a little bit of writing in the background somewhere. Yes, and I'm scouring like, every panel. Yeah, a little joke. Oh, yeah. 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 It's so much fun. Yep. It's running out of ways to say how good this book is, other than you need to, if you're not reading it, then. You're missing on one of the best things in comics. Yeah. Choose yeah. Chew saves day, parentheses, still a freak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the newspaper. 
<laughs> mounted on his his own wall. I love how Layman is playing like the opening sequence with the, all the things that happened but didn't happen. And you see the you see the the pivot the moment that changed it like yeah. I, oh it's great I mean it's it's but, uh, then, but then why that mattered because at first like they and they explained it out in a way too that also yeah like bore fruit and worked yep. uh, what a great uh, just five great. stars yeah so good five stars and finally Batman and Robin twenty five which is the final issue of this arc. Yes, the the best thing about this, it's been the Red Hood arc where Jed Winnick came on with with Greg Tacchini, 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 to to do you know another Red Hood arc, Red Hood arc, and the best thing that Jed Winnick <laughs> does is play off these characters together. So you've got Dick and you've got Jason and you have Damien, three of Bruce's four sons. Even though I, I've kind of been, I, I was thinking about, it, I kind of consider Damien like a stepson because even though he's he's actually the only real son, he's not he was never raised by Bruce, so he's kind of not really gone through all the stuff that he went through. It's kind of like he came in through through a marriage. Still got to live together. <laughs> but playing off each other and, and riding around in the flying Batmobile and bickering like like brothers who hate each other. And that's the best part of this issue is, is that Winnick really has a great hold in these characters. And the, the way that these guys press each other's buttons and poke at each other and really get under, under each other's skin. You have the good son, the bad son, and the new son. And that was the best part. And then there was also the Justice League Subway Famous Fans, which I thought was really good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even look at that. Oh, way. I thought I, I thought it actually had a genuine moment of like heroism in it, <laughs> where where uh, Michael Phelps and uh, Paul Anton Ono and the uh, gymnast whose name I don't know uh, Natasha Lukin are training and Mr. Freeze and Solomon Grundy show up and there's some kids swimming in the pool. Mr. Freeze freezes it and the water's freezing, so Michael Phelps runs really fast and swims to save the kid before the water freezes. Which I thought it was like a so genuine he, so he wasn't stoned. He wasn't stoned. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> he the sandwiches in the story, but. I'm really enjoying these. Right, yeah, no, they're great. Anyway, so those are the books that we enjoyed this week. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics. They've got all the, uh, we've got all the list of comics that come out every week, and you can do your pull list, and then you can come back, and you can rate and review your books, and you get to choose your own pick of the week at ifanboy.com. You could say, listen, I don't agree with Ron. Moon Knight was good, but it wasn't the pick of the week. I liked this. And uh, we're going to highlight the top five picks, picks of the week amongst the iFanboy community right now. Coming in at number five at the time of recording, when you listen to this, if you go back and check, the numbers might change slightly because things fluctuate. It's always moving. It's living. It's breathing. It's happening real time. Entity. Yeah. Number five is Chew number 19 with 4% of the pick of the week across the community. So a lot of you agree that Chew is great. Coming in at number four, which surprised me, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, is uh, Red Skull number one at 7%. So that was a good showing there for Greg Pack on Red Skull. Number three was Flashpoint number three with 7% of the pick of the week. So technically tied with Red Skull. Probably should have added in a sixth one there because we had a, we've never had a tie before. The number two pick of the week was Jonah Hex number 69 at 17%. And the uh, outstandingly vocal majority wow. of the picks of the weeks amongst the iFanboy community, number one book this week was Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance number two with 56% of the pick of the week uh, distribution. So a lot of you agreed that that was a good Batman book. Murder a child and you got something. Yeah, there you go. You know where Moon Knight fell, Ron? It, uh, no, it didn't even... It didn't num- even yeah. Number 18. Number 18. Nice, there you go. With 0.11% of... That might be me. That's, that's just Ron. <laughs> yeah, that's just me. <laughs> that's, that's how important you are, 0.11. Yeah. yeah, well, hey, it's on the, I'm on the homepage. So it doesn't more. matter. He's the, the official one. So yeah. at the end of the day, that's true. the one that yeah, matters. It doesn't matter. Anyway, all right. So, uh, so Josh, why don't you tell us about Red Skull? Scorpion Masada said of Red Skull number one, gave the story a five out of five, and the art a four out of five, and the pick of the week percentage was seven percent, as we just said. 
Pac sets up the groundwork for a nuanced origin of a comic book villain that, that probably up to this point has gotten the broad brush treatment. Such a treatment belittles comic book storytelling and actual human psychology, and after reading Magneto Testament, I am glad that Pac is at the helm. He said that very succinctly, and this is a book that I bought solely, solely because of the David Aja covers. Amazing. They so stunned me with their, their just their great graphic sense that I was like, I'm just, I'm going to buy this, and also all the great things I heard about Magneto Testament. So I, I'm uh, kicking myself for not buying this because I love Magneto Testament. This was so good, you'll love it. Yeah, I, I need it's, to go back it's, and get it. It's it's uh, early, uh, sort of between the two world wars, uh, German history. It's very steeped in what was happening at the time, the beginning of the Nazi movement, um, and young Johann Schmidt living, you know, like in, in like a house for like orphan boys and just sort of the hard scrabble life that they've got to have. And, and, you know, as, as you know, Red Skull's probably the most evil character in the Marvel universe. And this is how it's going to, you know, how it manifests itself from his age of 12. And, uh, this, it was great. It, I mean, it's sad. It was really like difficult and I'm sure it's going to get worse because there's not, many redeeming values to this character and if you give him any then you sort of undercut him but it was wonderful and and just from a historic standpoint it was it felt like really authentic and well researched and how many know, issues is it five five mm. and and again that david aja cover this german on the cover That's great. it's not even translated they're like they're going for it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah really great wonderful and Neb reviewed Hulk 36, give a story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and 0% of the people made this to pick of the week. And Neb said, I know that people haven't been that jazzed about the series since Harbin left, but I gotta say that I've been enjoying the heck out of it. While Harbin's break ends soon, that's right, he's coming to come back. Patrick Zercher's steps in and does a bang-up job, unlike the artists from the last couple of issues who drew in a more stylized way. Zercher brings a style to the table that is more reminiscent of Hardman, and it's pretty flippin' great. In an interview on Word Balloon this past winter, Parker talked about bringing the book back to a Silver Age place with modern touches, and I'm happy to see him deliver with this issue. And uh, isn't Harbin just doing one issue? I think he's just doing one more. Yeah, but um, yeah. hey, if 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 Gabe's like I was, I said I was going to drop if if Gabe Harbin wasn't doing the pencils. But after reading Patrick Zercher, like I might stick around because this it's the same. Really? Kind, it's the same kind of tone, the same kind of retroy kind of look to it. You know, not and he's not trying to do. He's not trying to emulate Hardman. Like right. he's just doing his own thing, and he draws a great Modoc. Yeah, so if he if he's the replacement, then I, I might stick around. So. I didn't get it because I thought that I didn't like Searcher. I oh, think check it out! Check it out! Go. I just I I associated him with like those issues of Rising Stars that weren't very good. Uh, well, go back and check it out because it's actually right. it, it 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 I I didn't even it didn't even skip a beat for me, and the story was great, and Parker's just kill, you know killing it with yeah, the no, story. Yeah, no, Parker's like, doing really yeah, well yeah. lately, basically. So yeah, so go to ifanboy.com slash comics, and you can write your own reviews and get on the show. It's a lot of Ron's opinion this week. I know. It's like it's like I feel like I'm in the spotlight. That's me in the corner. No. <laughs> All right. I will, I will leave. So um so yeah, so book of the month time. We've been we've been better on the book of the month this past couple of months. We've been on the ball at the beginning of the month as we're supposed to be. Um <laughs> so I had a whole nother book of the month review partially written, a whole nother book doing it. And then on June 29th, right under the wire, the hardcover collection from Humanoids of the Incal, the classic collection by um, Alejandro Jodorowsky and uh, illustrated by Mobius, uh, came out. And I picked it up and I read it and I was like, oh, fuck. This, is, I get, this, is, this, this can't not be the book of the month. For those of you who haven't heard of it or don't know the shadow that is cast by the Incal, um, you've, I, hopefully you've heard of Mobius. I mean, you guys have heard of Mobius, right? Yeah. All right, but, but no, the, of course. But the thing is, is that do you get it? 
I actually haven't seen him all that much. He's one of those people that people have always said that he he's a genius, but I haven't seen that much of it. I know he did like a Silver Surfer story. That was the first time I ever heard of him. Yeah, exactly. So Mobius is a um, his real name is Jean Girard, and he's a French um, a French artist, most prolific uh, in the eighties. Although he's still around, if you go to the Comic Cons in France, you can see him. And Mobius is one of those artists that are talked about in hushed tones in the comic book store and comic conventions. Like he's he's one of the gods. He's one Kirby. You know, uh, Eisner, Mobius. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know why. I, I, I knew, like Josh, like you said, I knew he did the Silver Surface story with Stan Lee for the epic uh, imprint in the late 80s. Um, but I've never read it. I don't even know if that's still in print. I get, I've seen his art. And I've seen pinups. And I've seen things like that. Like, I get the European style. I get that guys like uh, Jeff Darrow and um, Mortat and Chris Burnham and stuff owe a lot to Mobius. Like, whether they know it or not. And Jeff Darrow worked with Mobius, so I think that's where he got a lot of it. He probably wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, he probably wouldn't. But I didn't really get it until I sat down and read the in-call, and about halfway through, I was just like, oh, I I get it now. So the in-call was done, and this is kind of considered Mobius' greatest work. Um, It was done over a time period between 1981 and 1989. For years, it was not available, A, translated in English, or even, you know, um, available over here in the States. You'd have to go over to Europe to get it. Um, it was re- originally done in French, um, and the folks at Humanoids have translated it. Um, they put out an ultra limited kind of oversized edition a few months ago, but this is kind of the more like kind of like how IDW did with the Rocketeer, where they they did the big version and they did the standard hardcover. Um, mm-hmm. So this classic collection, collection is the standard hardcover. It's thick. I mean, I don't know how many pages. It's like three hundred some odd pages, um, but uh, and it sells for forty four ninety five. If you like, well, first off, if you want to understand Mobius and if you want to understand the whole cult of Mobius and, and European art style, you want to pick this up. But if you also like batshit crazy world building science fiction, um, or if you've watched and enjoyed the movie The Fifth Element, <laughs> then you're going to like The Incall because basically The Fifth Element ripped off The Incall like <laughs> wholesale. <laughs> um, and it's a little confusing because Mobius did do some conceptual artwork for um, Luc Besson for the for Fifth Element, but before the story was fleshed out and then he left the project and then the movie came out and they watched it and then they sued him. And unfortunately they lost and I don't know the details of why they lost, but reading this, I don't see how they could lose because there, there are specific scenes um, similar to like the Watchmen in 300 where I'm like that's like like, that, like I'm reading the comic I'm like that's from the fifth element like mm-hmm. uh, like the, the flying cars and the city and the when she's falling like that's the opening scene of this book but basically the story is, is that there's this down on his luck no good private investigator uh, John DeFool which is a very thinly veiled reference to the fact that all the main characters are derived from the tarot deck and so John DeFool is the fool from the tarot and he comes across a, a little box that's called the Incal, which is this white light and turns out it's this, this all-encompassing power. And um, it's frantically trying to get to its companion, which is the dark Incal. And so John DeFool, and he's got this little concrete bird that the Incal uh, gives powers and now the bird can talk and is smart. And they stumble through the world and they meet up with – it's almost like this ragtag group um, that comes together. They meet this guy called the Meta Baron who is this like badass mercenary and they meet these two women who are beautiful, who are sisters and John DeFool falls in love with them. And one of them has a anthropomorphic wolf-headed guy who's her bodyguard and this whole team comes together to bring the Incal together and – 
spawn this new power and basically remake the universe. And it's one of those make your head explode, makes no sense as I explain it, but as you read it, it makes perfect sense. And there are all different kind of enemy factions that want the Incal or want power, and it's epic, and there's a planet, you know, like like I mentioned, there's a there's like a techno uh uh, city planet and there's like an undersea planet and it just it's it's so out there and so crazy but it's awesome every moment is just fantastic and not just the fifth element but other science fiction movies and other stories you see elements of this and you see how it's influenced not just comic artists and comic storytellers but also uh, filmmakers and directors and things like that really really influential work and it's great to see Mobius's art develop from over the nine years that he worked on it from the very beginning to the very end it goes you know he, Mobius is known to be super detailed and super complex, but then also as the book progresses, he gets way more cartoony and the and the facial expressions get much more um, uh, life to them. And it just uh, it's just it's it's an amazing amazing work that you know Brian Bendis wrote the forward and he talks about the hype around it and and how he's jealous of people who get to read it for the first time because he wants to relive that and that's exactly what happened. Like totally lived up to the hype. Just amazing, amazing book. So I'm um, so glad that's available now. And if you're interested in comic history or interested in the greats, you just need to pick it up. It's like one of those things you need to have in your library. I wanted to check it out. But yeah. I think it's sold out of my store. But uh, uh, I feel like they released them in issues like Humanoids did like, I want to say eight, ten years ago. They might have. I wouldn't be surprised. And I feel like I bought some of them and didn't get it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that either. I think reading it as one volume really helps as well because mm-hmm. it, it is kind of all over the map. But there is a there is a definite flow to it. I mean, Jodorowsky is telling a story, and this is kind of the beginning of the what they call the Jodorowsky verse and books like the Meta Barons that, that Travis Shray worked on. Stuff like that, all exist in that in this universe. So there's definitely idea, but the ideas are out there. I mean, they're trippy. They're they're crazy, but they look awesome. <laughs> So uh, so go read my review on ifanboy.com, the whole book of the month review, and read the book, and then go watch The Fifth Element, and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, it is just blatant. <laughs> like, there's, there, there are numerous points where I'm like, really? They're just... <laughs> Chris Tucker is in the comic book? Yeah. I remember favorite. that lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I love that movie, too, so it's no, jo- no surprise that I like this book. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Didn't Mobius work in, like... Film design for a long time. Oh, you know, he's, he does now. He does now too. Yeah, he totally does. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jodorowsky's a filmmaker, I believe. Yeah. So there's that. All right. Well, let's do an email before we get going. Patrick writes and says, "Hey, gang, I've been working on getting the missing issues of my Uncanny X-Men run, and just picked up a bunch of books from the mid '90s. Curious how you guys feel about Scott Lobdell. They don't seem as bad as people say they are, but there's a lot of overexplaining and the characters and the story." Uh, I thought this. I thought this was uh, uh, timely. Now that Scott Lobdell's kind of returning to comics uh, at DC, he's back. And, and no, and I thought about it, and like honestly, like I read all those. I read all the X Men stuff that he did, and it wasn't awful. Honestly, it wasn't awful. What it a was, nice thing to say. It wasn't. It wasn't ne- like it, for some reason. Like th- there is a negative connotation, and and I was thinking about it. I'm like, and I don't know where it comes from, but it wasn't as bad as the Chuck Austin X Men stuff. Like that was the low, low point. That was the lowest point. Well, you're, that's, that's like saying wasn't you know being stabbed wasn't like when I was shot. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> it's not the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. But. I haven't I haven't read that much Scott Lobdell. I definitely didn't read those X Men, but I've read him here and there, and I just I don't I remember not liking this stuff. I remember specifically like if I go back, the Wildcats Volume Two before Joe Casey took over at issue eight or nine, he did. And Travis Charest was drawing it. So I was like, oh, okay, this is supposed to be really good. And it was beautiful to look at. And I remember reading the first like two or three of them and just going, I, I don't, what is this? Yeah. You know, like it didn't, didn't make any sense. And yeah. that was instantly fixed. 
when 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 Casey took over on I it. Think, and there've been other things. I think but. part of the part of the issue with Lobdell, and we'll see what his DC work looks like. But I think he is a definitely a, a child and a, of of Claremont and of that style of storytelling and like the middle of the X-Men one the X-Men stories that he did and he did in the late 90s he I mean he penciled all the stories that Joe Mediera drew and like the stuff with Joseph and Magneto and all stuff he wrote he wrote I'm sorry he wrote but Joe Mediera penciled but Scott Lobdell wrote the stories and there you know there were some interesting stories in there but they I do remember them being very wordy and very kind of over explanatory but they weren't which, awful. Which, I gotta, I gotta pull them back out because I was just, which, I was just talking to somebody about them who just read them recently, and it was like they're not that bad. So that was a style too. It's not like yeah. that was unusual at the time. Yeah. So. Uh, that that you know that's sort of how comics were. Anyway. So if you have any questions, shoot us an email contactifanboy.com, and let's sneak in one voicemail before we get to everything else. This voicemail's got a fun question for us. Hey, fanboy. This is Ben from Austin, Texas. Now I know there's already a Will Eisner comic hall of fame. I was wondering. There was an I Family Comics Hall of Fame. Who would you, if you could put in one creator, who would it be? And keep in mind, this creator had, should not have worked, uh, has, should not have done any work within the past five years. Sort of the baseball football role. Connor would appreciate that. Hope you guys answer my question. Thank you all. You have a good day. So who are we putting the iFanboy Comic Book Hall of Fame? Yeah, I like that's, it's a good question. question. Yeah, I can't imagine we're not all going to have the same answer. But I well, might be well, let's. I mean, if we, I'm going to. Are we talking? I mean, are we talking about an artist? I feel as I feel as if let's modify it a little. Let's do let's do similar to the baseball. Like I like the fact that they can't have worked in five years, so they need to be retired and done. That's not even, even going to be an issue. I know, I know, but then we all have to be unanimously agreed upon it. Okay, do so, we institute the, like a no Babe Ruth rule? No, no Babe Ruth. I mean, yeah, okay, no. because then so, it's, so, so it's Kirby. It's Kirby, right? So so okay. so we each get to nominate one, and we all have to unanimously agree upon it. How's that? So Josh is nominating Kirby. Okay, do Connor? Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Okay, so Kirby's in. <laughs> right. I'm going to nominate Stanley. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Connor? I'm going to go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, shit. Is Stanley still working? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, shit. Active. Still active. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna nominate Will Eisner then. All right. All right. Okay. Do we, are we in agreement? Uh, do, we get an, do I get another go? No, Connor's next. Jerry Siegel. Interesting. I mean, you have to. Yeah. yeah. Well, Eagle and Schuster kind of go together, though. But they're different people. Like, I want to pick one. I picked the writer because he gave up the idea. Yeah. All, All right. right. I agree with that. Okay. Okay. All right. One more round if you got it. Josh, what do you got? Joe Simon. Joe Simon? Okay. Yeah, Joe Simon made, made Kirby's career for the first half. Kirby had to hook up with other people in order to be great. And he was great. Someone, not saying he's not. Someone just read a book. He's in the middle of it. But I've read his <laughs> books before, and I would have said the same thing. Okay. Connor, what's your, next, what's your, your second one? Did go. Ditko. He's still working. Is he? Yeah, he yep, is. he's still yeah. publishing. He's publishing his own Published stuff. Something yep. in 2008, right. the last volume that came yep. out. Then Bob Kane. All right. I think you have to. And I'm going to follow that up with Bill Finger. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. <laughs> if Bob Kane gets it, nobody liked Bob Kane, apparently. No, he's a know. dick. Yeah. Anyway, that's a fun <laughs> question. Maybe we can oh, no, Hugh Hefner did. <laughs> okay, so we can revisit that maybe on the video show sometime. But uh, great question. That actually would be a good video show where we do go in to pick like a Hall of Fame class. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, we should totally do that. Thank right, you. Write that down. Call us if you before we forget. If you have more ideas about things we should do, call us at one eight eight fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. And San Diego is is almost here. It's upon us. Like a week and a half away, depending oh. on when you're listening to this. We are going to be at San Diego as we have been going for the past. However many years, 10 years. 10 years or so, yeah. So let's talk briefly about what we're going to do. There's going to be a post on iFanboy coming this weekend with information about San Diego. But if you're just listening, 
There will be. I'll be on the comics podcasting panel. I don't know when that is. It's on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. at like maybe like four thirty or something like around there. Well, it's going to be on the post on fanboy.com, But yes. yeah, but so Connor, when you, when you said podcast. Thursday, I was like, it's going to be at seven, isn't it? No, it's not. No, that's the one that I was surprised. It's like oh, thank God. Yeah, no, it's not at seven. <laughs> so you can find me there. You can find Ron and Josh in the back texting me, trying to throw me off, which is what we do when we're not on the panel. That's true. We are having a contest. If you recall, a couple of years ago, we had a contest to meet Stan Lee. Well, we're having another one. You can, yep. you too, can meet Stan Lee, who is not in the Fanboy Combo Hall of Fame, apparently. Blame <laughs> um, <laughs> Starborn. What? <laughs> um, so how do you meet? How do you meet Stan Lee, Ron? Uh, so yeah, so there are going to be some questions posted up on the post, the San Diego Post, and um, all you got to do is answer those questions and send an email to contact at ifanboy.com with the subject line "Meet Stan." And we will pick a winner from there. You, normally, we try to limit our contest to iFanboy members, but because this is specific to San Diego, we're going to open up to everybody. Um, there will be two winners. A winner, someone you've got to be attending San Diego um, because yeah. we're going to be interviewing Stan. We don't know exactly when or where. Normally, it's a clusterfuck, so you've got to be <laughs> able to meet us at San Diego and actually come along, and you'll be able to watch us interview him, and you'll be able to shake hands with him and take a picture and all that stuff. And then we also want to make sure that those of you not going to San Diego don't miss out. So if you're not going to San Diego, you're eligible, and you can win some Swag that Stan's folks are going to give us. So, um, uh, yeah, so go to the ifanboy.com, go to the San Diego Post for all the details and the information. And of course, we'll be coming back from San Diego with all of our video coverage like we normally do. There'll be weeks of San Diego coverage. You'll be sick of it by the end. Uh, so, look forward to that. And there'll be more news to come. <laughs> well, you, you'll be sick of it or you'll enjoy it. You know, like, or, or you'll be plugged in if you can't or go to San Diego. Myself, if he's talking about himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you can't go to San Diego, come to ifanboy.com. Yes. We'll take care of you. We'll let you know what you need to know. And you, you can be like you're there. As you know, there'll be uh, – if you and leading up to San Diego, there'll be, there'll be articles. There'll be what to look forward to if you're going, what panels, what people, what toys, all kinds of things to look forward to. So check out that if you're going to San Diego. But afterwards, and if you're not going to San Diego – There'll be news coverage. Yep. We'll still have some staff hanging around doing news coverage, or we'll have the video shows when we get back. You know, we bring you a month-long, you know, worth of video coverage. So if you can't go to San Diego, the next you best thing is to watch the iFanboy video show. Exactly, and so you will be sick of it, but yeah. in a good way. And <laughs> stay tuned to iFanboy.com and to iFanboy Twitter. And if and as things develop as we get closer to San Diego, um, we'll keep you posted specifically where you can find us and things like that. So uh, definitely keep an eye out on all that. And you'll also want to keep an eye out for on iFanboy this coming Monday, where you can hear me talk to Jason Aaron. Um, on iFanboy Don't Miss, our podcast where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out. And Jason and I are talking about X-Men Schism number one, uh, the big X-Men event, which kicks off the, uh, this coming Wednesday. And you definitely want to listen to this because not only is Jason Aaron awesome, but Schism is shaping up to look pretty good. So go to iFanboy.com. You can check that out. Or go to iTunes and subscribe to Don't Miss Today. And that way you can hear these great little 15-minute, great little conversations with creators about a book um, and you know, get the inside scoop. And you can find that as well as everything else on ifanboy.com. Uh, my pick of the week review uh, of, of Moon Knight number three, my book of the month review, The Incall. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's ifanron. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I'm not the only person there. Josh Connor, Paul, Jim, Mike, everybody, Molly's back. Everybody's doing great stuff um, on ifanboy.com. So you definitely want to make sure you don't miss out all the great news and um, columns and all the great stuff that comes out there. Go to twitter.com slash ifanboy. Follow us there so you don't miss anything. Or fan us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash ifanboy. We also do a video show every Wednesday. The show comes out uh, like clockwork. And you can watch us bicker and argue as if we weren't friends. Last week was a show about uh, other reboots in comics history. And this week we're doing a little artist spotlight on Mike Allred. Uh, one of my favorite creators so it should be a good show
You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 with any sort of comments or questions. And sometimes one of your questions will turn into a show idea. Maybe maybe we'll even do that. So that would be good. If you are going to leave a voicemail, make sure that you start right off by saying who you are. And you can even add where you're from because that makes gives us context. But uh, don't go on too long because we can't use it if it's too long. And, and i got, uh, I got to give kudos to everybody who's called in this past week. They were all under 30 seconds, and they were exactly what we'd want. So good job, everybody. Way to and go. Finally, if you like the show, write a review on iTunes, please. It helps us out. It helps people find the show. It helps people you know, know that people like it and it's worthwhile to listen to. So please do that for this show, for the Don't Miss show, for the video show, for Ron's Taste of Comics show, for all the shows you listen to, all the podcasts. We'd really appreciate All of them will love it if you could just go really quickly over to iTunes and write a review. It really helps everyone. So thank you. Cool. So, um, so welcome back, Connor. Get back in the swing of things just in time to go to San Diego. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're gonna go and remind you why you should be thankful for your life so until next time i'm ron i'm connor and i am josh thank you everyone